0: guys, welcome back to Book Life with me, Miss Lamb. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I love that you guys come back and listen to each of the episodes, so I appreciate it. As always, I hope you share with others. and I know it's not easy to find people who are interested in podcasts that are about reading or books, but if you know of anyone, just let them know that I'm out here, and I would love for them to give it a listen. Today's episode is with um, a fellow teacher. Actually, I think she's a coach, but um, from another school and really into reading and writing. So we kind of talked about how to choose books, like how to kind of decide what type of books you like and would be interested in. So hopefully you'll find it interesting. We kind of just talk about books in general, to be honest with you. But um, hopefully it's entertaining. And I want to apologize up front because they're in the Zoom when we did it. For some reason, there was a little chop every so often. So it might like sound broken um, a few times. So I apologize for that. But I hope you'll suffer through and listen to the whole thing. And hopefully you will find some insight of how to pick a book for yourself or for someone else that you're trying to get into reading. Just the key is always to find something that you're excited about, something that interests you. And hopefully it's a little challenging. You don't want it too easy, but you know that you can read. So hopefully you'll find some insight in our episode. Here we go.
1: Hello. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. <laughs> all right. So I know you just told me that you're uh, working on schoolwork and writing and stuff. So let's shift gears from writing to reading instead. How about that?
2: That sounds perfect. Okay, good.
1: And when we're done, you're going to be like all inspired to yes. write an amazing yeah. paper. That's exactly on educational theory. Yes, of, of course, of course. I'm not sure how, what educational theories we're going to get out of this, but I'm are sure <laughs> going to talk about how to pick books because that's what we're talking about. Awesome. Okay, so my first question is going to be: What are you? Are you reading anything for enjoyment right now? Do you even have time to do that right now?
2: Um. So I started a book. This is kind of weird. Um, kind of related to what I've been working on at school as well, but. So when back when I was in graduate school um, for creative writing, I had written a poem about the kids I was teaching back then. and The poem, I named the poem "No Child Left Behind," which was based on you know the yeah. Act. Yes. And it was kind of it was a play on that because the kids that I was teaching had clearly been left behind. Um, and back then, my professor was like, "You got to read this book," and it, it was about um, busing in Boston in you know the '60s and. So he told me about it way back then, and it was always in the back of my mind, and then actually, like, coming to, going back to school and doing this leadership stuff, um, I started thinking about that again, because we were studying educational policy. So it's, I'm sort of reading it for enjoyment, I guess. It's a really old book called, I think it's called Uncommon Ground. I don't know, it's in my living room, but um, it won the Pulitzer way back when, I think, And, you know, because it it follows these three families through their experience of bossing in Boston during that time period and civil rights and all of that stuff. Right. So that's what I'm currently reading when I have five seconds. But I have noticed that I have shifted completely from, you know, I used to read poetry and novels all the time. And now I am kind of into um, nonfiction, which I never thought I would ever be interested in reading nonfiction. Um, but a lot of it's like, not like it's told like a story, you know what I mean? Yeah, Memoirs yeah. or um, one of the books I've read in the summer was called Invisible Child, which was a reporter that follows a family through poverty in New York City over like, I don't know, 10 or 15 years or something like that. So I don't know. I've, I've just recently, I've started reading a lot more
1: nonfiction and I don't, and I don't even know why. I don't know why. So I can't ask you, how do you pick a book, then, if you don't know why you're reading them?
2: Well, if I think about those books, I did I did one of those corny, like, um, good reads kind of thing. Like, if you like this book, then you right. will like all of these books, yep. um, which kind of led me down a different path. I read, in the summer, too, another nonfiction book I read was, uh, I think it was called Wild, The Girl That Hikes the Pacific Crest Trail. I think, uh, yeah, I think I've heard of that. And there was a, there was a, um, a movie I think associated with it. So so I did one of those Goodreads lists that was like nonfiction by women or good nonfiction by women or something right. like that. And I it, it led me to that. I and mean, then it led me to that that book called Okay.
1: About- so one good way to pick out books is to get recommendations from books that you've already liked or similar books or Goodreads or that kind of thing, obviously. Right.
2: <laughs> I think two authors, you know, if I Yeah find one author that i like it's not a guarantee that i'm gonna like all of his books but but that happened to
1: me with um
2: colson whitehead i read the underground railroad a bunch of years ago and then started to kind of read everything else that he wrote um the nickel boys was one of absolute favorite books that i read because i had read the underground railroad so so that's sort of another way i'm 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 a very picky reader i think um i don't i don't have like if I, maybe it's based on time or attention span or what, but if I'm not taken with a book pretty quickly,
1: I usually put it down. Right. So then let's talk about your process. When you, like, let's say you are looking for fiction and you go into a bookstore or library and you start to peruse the aisles, what's the first thing that you kind of look for? I hate to say
2: it, but book covers are important to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, I think that's the first signal. Uh, as to, it gives a little hint about maybe what it's going to be about. And I think if you are attracted to a book cover, um, then I think that's, that's the first thing that makes you pull the book off the shelf. I do that with my kids too, when they go to the library, you know, I know they're looking at the the little spine and even the font on the spine and, and, you know, whatever that title says, maybe that attracts the attention. And then I think once you do pull out a book for me, this is going to sound, um, kind of cool, but I have that problem where if, if I open the book and the the pages, like the text isn't spaced enough, or I just, if I get overwhelmed by the number of words on a page, then I, it doesn't even matter what the content is. I'm kind of turned off by it, um, just because of the way the words look on the page.
1: Yeah, I've talked about that more recently. Um, I can't remember if it was the conversation I had with you um, a while back when we talked about it, or I know I also talked to a a student at at around that same time, and we talked about, she's like, that not, I'm not reading that there's too many words on that page or do you see how tiny those words are I'm not reading that and, I've, I've, <laughs> Just, and I've, I've never paid attention to that but I have since then have you know talked to other people that have similar you know thought processes if there's you know um, I have a book I tried to give my daughter because she's recently kind of got back into reading and all and she likes romance novels and um, it's very it's kind of like the old types of books where it's very kind of short but very dense and then the words are she's like, Oh no, I'm not I'm she just gave it right back to me. She's like, I am not reading that.
2: Yeah. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is in our brains that kind of you know shuts that off. But yeah, it wouldn't even matter. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even try. It, I wouldn't care about the words
1: on the page if it
2: if it hurts my brain to look at it.
1: Yeah, I just I just found that interesting. I take that back. I, I shouldn't say I've never occurred to me because I tried to read Jane Eyre and I you couldn't do it either No, oh, no no okay good i, I feel <laughs> okay. shameful that i couldn't but um i couldn't do it in that particular copy of jane you're not my father but it literally was like there was hardly any margins right it was words completely across the page so i felt a little overwhelmed with that too so i guess i kind of get it in that sense
2: and i think that i think you just kind of brought up a totally like. Um, A sort of new topic—that idea of like the the literary canon and what you're supposed to read—and I mean, I'm ashamed to say, there's a lot of books I probably was supposed to read and never did because just because someone says they're part of the canon and you're supposed to read them, if you have zero personal connection to what's going on in those texts, yeah, you know, who wants to read them? I don't want to read something that I don't feel somehow connected to or grounded in or whatever. So um yeah Jane Eyre has I have never I have never read that book. yeah
1: the classics I have a hard time with um my book club recently we read this um uh, I, you know right now it's kind of getting close to time I don't know when this will go out but and we read this dark descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein and it was okay I you know I, I enjoy it I listened to it if I'm being honest right. but then I decided well it's so connected to Frankenstein I don't know the story of Frankenstein really I know the basics right. you know? So I went back and listened to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein I so did not enjoy it at all, like yeah. at all. It's, I felt bad, yeah. I didn't enjoy it.
2: That's another one that the, the text that I had, cause I've taught that book before and I don't think I had ever read it until I taught it, you know, and I, I, I was a little too ambitious. I was reading it with, I think high school seniors. And I was like, oh, it's kind of, it's a small book. It's not, but the language is so tough. And the text I had again was like, you know, wall to wall words um, and there are good moments in it, yeah. I think, like I think it's it's like chapter five when the monster comes alive. Like that's awesome, and it's so cool to read that section and see how it influences, you know, contemporary horror or whatever, or even the that gothic time period. But man, it gets it gets philosophical and incredibly lots of commentary on human nature, and yes. that exciting part that
1: happens in chapter five is only chapter five, You know. Yeah, and so many monologues best- and just these long yeah. drawn out and so many words I'm just like there's just so many I mean I like words but yeah. it just felt a lot but- and I
2: like the, I like the idea you know the story that comes um you know that Mary Shelley was supposedly was like holed up in in Austria was it in Austria I forget she was somewhere and it was stormy and they were all going to tell stories and then she was sort of like Criticized for, oh my gosh, a woman came up with this idea. Like that's yeah. crazy that a woman. There must be something wrong with her. <laughs> yes, exactly. But even though, even though all the scientific technology of the time was about like reanimating, you know, bodies or of, of frogs or whatever, making frogs' legs move after they've died or whatever. So it was all, it was all very um, appropriate for the context and the time yeah. period. But yeah, Mary Shelley was like 17, I think, when she started yeah. writing. So that, I think that was what made me want to read it. But then, yeah, it got way too sort of heady for me, I think, toward. Me too. All
1: right, so back to picking out books, though. So you look at the cover. You look at the font. Um, what finally helps you actually decide that, yeah, I'm going to get this book?
2: I think it ha- it is. I mean, it, again, it sounds sort of um, generic, but it is that first page. I'm a, I'm a language person. Um, more than a plot person i think like even you know even if i'm writing something i'm much more interested in crafting the language than i am figuring out what the events of the text are going to be so um i think when i open a book i want to hear the voice of whoever you know whether it's a narrator or whether it's a first person or you know i want to i want to know who that is by the end of that first page and right. i want to be intrigued by it you know and i think that if if it doesn't happen pretty quickly, again, I just, I don't invest, you know. I, yeah. my, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law says every book that she reads or every book that she starts, she will finish. And I'm like, that's very admirable. But, <laughs> but Oh, every book she
1: starts, you cut out a little bit, but every book she starts, she has to finish. Yes. yes. Yeah, I, I know people that are similar to that. And I'm kind of like that, but if it's just too much, it's just too much, but... And I'm definitely not a, um, it's just so funny how we're talking about how I pick out books, but obviously there's no one right way or wrong way, but I don't necessarily have to be a first page grabber person, but like, I do like to get to know the characters. So, I mean, but not in a drawn out way, but so it can be describing the character. I know some people, they don't want all that background knowledge, all that description. They just want to get straight to the story. Yeah. Just funny. Um, Does genre matter? What? Sorry.
2: Uh, Sorry, I was gonna say when I think about because I I used to do a first page activity with my writing students, and that's what I think. You know, I mean, Holden Caulfield in *Catcher in the Rye*. Like, you know who he is within the first few sentences of that text, which I think is. Or there's a short story that I love called *Saul and Patsy Are Pregnant*, and the in in the in that short story the story opens, and they have crashed the car, and they're sitting, they're hanging upside down in their yeah. car, you know? and it's a very, like, realistic and logical thing, but also funny at the same time, um, so I, I don't know, those are, those are the kinds of things that I, I think I get, I would yeah. say are, like, exemplars. Tell me the title again of that short story. I think it's Saul and Patsy are pregnant. If Saul I and
1: Patsy are pregnant. I remember you told me about it before and then yeah,
2: I, I didn't remember the name. It's by a guy named Charles Baxter and it, was, it won like an O. Henry award a bunch of years ago um, but it's just the I think the story starts by saying the smell is still gasoline and you know then it puts you in this moment where the wife is asleep the car has crashed the wife is asleep and they're both kind of upside down just suspended there because their seatbelts have kept them in right But the, you know it's like it's just an interesting it's an interesting way of opening
1: yeah I should have my daughter read that she um over the summer flipped her car and was in that same situation where she was buckled in and and just gosh. still still there hanging so holy cow she was perfectly fine it was all okay it sounds more traumatic than it was yeah she might <laughs> find that story in <laughs> yeah um all right so uh, does genre matter so uh, that's a that's
2: a funny, well, not a funny question, but I just had a conversation with my 13-year-old daughter not too long ago about, you know, I love realistic fiction. She hates realistic fiction. <laughs> She's like, it's so boring. Fantasy, fantasy is what everybody should be reading, you know, and my I'm daughter like, and I oh. are similar. I, I say fantasy, that's not real. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't want to read that. That's not real. Um, I do think, though, a cool blend of the two is like magical realism, you know, where you've got, real things happening but they're described in sort of a magical way that makes them seem unbelievable but they really are. so um i do think realistic fiction is probably if i don't give myself over to nonfiction entirely or right out, then i would say
1: realistic fiction which still follows the line though because you know realistic fiction is based in realism whereas nonfiction is real so it still follows the same but i'm definitely a realistic fiction person also but yet my daughter she's same thing she's like I, it's kind of boring. I don't want more excitement, more adventure, fantasy, dystopian, that kind of stuff is definitely okay. Now, my oldest daughter, though, she, like I said, has gotten back into me. She's totally about romance. She did get one book. We went to a bookstore, not too long ago. She got four books, and only one of them is, like, a, um, some, I think it's, like, a mother-daughter relationship thing. So, we'll see if she actually likes that or not. But the rest were all (laughs) romance-type books. So, for her, genre definitely matters. And then we said, also, like, picking out by authors. Mm Mm-hmm which you, you, I meant to ask this before, you mentioned Colson Whitehead. Yeah. And so the other one that pops up for me because I did read Nickel Boys was the Harlem Shuffle. And I think that's out now even. Have you it read is, it? That and one. I have that one, and I didn't, I started it. And it's,
2: it wasn't a good first page. It, it was, and, and because I'm so invested in him, I mean, I love him. Like I went to listen to him read in Tampa. Um, when Nickel Boys came out, and I was so excited because I got a signed copy. I mean, that that book, At the end of that book, I, I mean, my my breath was taken away. You know, I was sitting at my daughter's soccer practice and I slammed the book shut and I was like, no way. I like, I just, he did it. And and I don't want to be a spoiler person, but he did everything that everyone tells you not to do as a writer. And he pulled it off. You know what I mean? It's it was somehow he just earned it and it worked and it was awesome. But I do remember like just gasping when that book ended so I don't know if I and I and I felt similar I had a similar reaction to Underground Railroad so then when I, I, I you know I said as soon as Harlem Shuffle came out I told my husband I'm like order me that book on Amazon and, and I got it and I just I don't know what it was I don't know I, I just wasn't as invested I guess yeah. I still have it. I still want to finish it um and I've read his his uh book The Intuitionist which is also incredibly complex, complex. um and I like that one as well but yeah I might have to I'm gonna have to recommit just because I love him so much. I'm gonna have to
1: recommit to the Harlem Shuffle. See if I can. Yeah, like I said, it's on. It's on in my wish list on Audible because I probably would listen to it more than, than read it. Um, I haven't got there yet. So, okay. Um, do you ever take book recommendations like off of TikTok or Instagram or any of those? No, I don't even do
2: TikTok. I don't even understand it. I don't. I've I, I don't that. have TikTok either. <laughs> like, I have Instagram only because of this podcast. I'm old man. Um, I think like I if I see oh this is going to sound so snotty but sometimes I'm like it depends who's recommending it. <laughs> yeah, <I'll- laughs> like I have a I have a good friend who's a high school teacher. When she recommends things I'm like, "Oh yes. Oh yes, I I need to read that because I trust you know right. her judgment." Um, but yeah, I guess I don't. I guess I don't. Sometimes I see people post things on Facebook or Instagram or whatever
1: and sometimes I'm interested but i don't think i've ever actually taken
2: a recommendation from there
1: if i see it a lot like if it's repeated a lot especially for my classroom library like middle grade books or young adult books i will i will then but um i i mean i I will i guess if i see it enough times and it's in my wheelhouse of types of books or or something like that
2: and i think sometimes what happens with that kind of thing like for example educated the memoir about
1: yes um, you
2: know the girl who was kind of growing up in a very very sheltered environment and i think that like a lot of times i get turned off when there's a lot of noise about a book and everybody's like read it read it read it cuz i f- i feel like i'm going to be disappointed like there's so much hype but yeah. then i'm like oh man it wasn't as good as i thought it was going to be but with educated i waited a bunch of years i mean i just read that this summer i forget when it came out but it's probably been i don't know 5 or 6 wow. years yeah so um, but but that book blew me away i mean they were they were right. You know, the, the hype was, was not, was real.
1: I have a different take on that book. Oh, really?
2: Yeah. Is it like the exaggerated
1: fictitious kind of take or. I don't want to say that that's the case, but there's just so many things that just don't make sense. And when you do research on them after the fact, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, Controversy about what is actually true and what isn't, and I don't want to say because obviously her family might not want to support the right. book clearly because it puts them in a negative light. But they're still just I don't, I don't, I don't know.
2: And it, and know. it it's you know you kind of have in some sense like an unreliable narrator there too because if right. there's if there's trauma involved in any of this, how do we know? You know, there were right. moments in that book where she was like, "Here's what I remember." but this is not what they remember, or this is not, you know, why is this in my head and not in their head? So, And she did make a lot of place. there were a lot of places where, um, you know, where she said, this is what I remember, but this is not what, what they remember. But I think that's, it's a tough, it's like what happened, do you remember when Oprah picked that book? It was by a guy named James Fry, and he called it a memoir. So it, it was a big controversy a bunch of years ago. He called it a memoir, and then it turned out that the entire thing was fictitious. And then I feel like that like led us to, to this new realm of creative nonfiction. <laughs> yeah, like, It's sort of real, but then if it's based on human memory. Yeah.
1: Heck? I remember there being a controversy about a book or that similar story. So I don't know if it was that same book or not, but yeah, there's yeah. the thing of, is it really truly a memoir or is it right. you know, kind of yes. filled in some gaps or whatever? But yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed the book. I did a lot, but then there were just, yeah. it just left me going like, I, I just feel like, eh.
2: But anyway, yeah. Yeah, that, no, that's I neither agree. here nor there. I just, but I did enjoy reading the book, you know? Yes. And I think that yes. writing-wise, she's a she's a great writer, even if yeah. it's, she's a good writer, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, it definitely was good. I highly recommend reading it, just, you know. But if you also, it's good for us to question things in life, right? I think okay. so. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the old school. Like, you know, back in the day, you're in elementary school, they're teaching you how to pick up books, and you look at the title, right? Does it grab you? You look at the cover see if it's you know interesting and then you're supposed to do what skim the pages to see how the vocabulary is well and i think like it's funny that's you know when
2: i think about kids picking out books you know and they flip to the back cover and they say oh my gosh like
1: because sometimes on the back cover it
2: tells you everything that happens yeah but can i tell
1: you this a lot of my kids i i only speak for mine don't look at the synopsis at all, or the summary, and, they, they, and I'm like, it's especially if it's a hardback, because many of them don't realize it's in the flap, right, on the back. You're right.
2: You're right. Oh. I just remember mine doing it with. Um, we read Out of the Dust by Karen Hess, and you know, there's a shocking incident that happens in that book that the kids often mistake as the climax, but it happens in the beginning of the book. I'm like, guys, it can't be the climax. It's right. the that everyone
1: listen to this it cannot be climax if it's at the beginning of the book <laughs> it's not it's just you're not going to have an entire book of resolution
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> so,
1: but i remember with that
2: book and maybe kids had gotten out of the habit of even flipping it over but i remember one of them flipped it over and was like this oh, about like that they knew they knew the moment that happened and i was like well
1: then that's not what the whole book is about because nice. you know <laughs> it's not going to give you the climax I to give you the ending it's not you know but But yeah, but But I think I had, when I was a kid, I struggled with
2: reading big time. I did not, not that I didn't know how to read, but I, my brain, I could not read multiple pages without losing my attention. You know, my brain would be doing something else. And and I always tell my students, your eyes, that's how cool your brain is. Your eyes can read the words but you can get to the bottom of the page and have no idea what happened. And that happened to me all the time when I was a kid and it became overwhelming. You know, it made me not want to read because I just couldn't and I don't think I, you know, back then they weren't teaching us to underline as we read, they weren't teaching us to write in the margin. There weren't really active reading strategies. At least they weren't taught to me. It was like, just read. You're supposed to just read. And I just couldn't do it. I mean, I still, now if I, I mean, I usually buy my books um, but I have to write or I have to put sticky notes in them or something to keep my brain
1: from wandering. To some, even if the book's interesting, sometimes my brain just wanders,
2: you know, and, and, yeah. and I don't know what I read, so. Um. Yeah, one of my
1: activities in class whenever we read is, is I have them, like, as we're reading, if they, if, if you think of anything, I want you to write it down, you know, right. any question, observation, whatever. And we had this big conversation, actually, uh, Friday, I think, you know, why, 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 why are we doing this? <laughs> it's like. Right because you're not connecting with the book. And even by myself, your brain goes over here. And I said the same thing, you can read words and not really have absorbed anything that you just read. And that's not actually reading, so. Right. But if you have any other tips for how to overcome that, I'd love to bring them into my
2: classroom. And I feel like I used to, I still do it. I still, even though I love reading, I still will like start a paragraph and sort of skip sentences in the middle of the paragraph and go to the end of the paragraph. why do I do that I know as an adult and as an educator that I'm not
1: supposed to do that
2: but it's still sort of like
1: just trying to get through
2: it you know what I mean yeah. do you make your
1: do you catch yourself though make yourself go back and reread it or are you just yes I do and especially yeah. especially
2: now that I'm reading some really difficult texts like I have to I mean I've, yeah stuff is, I'm not comprehending anything if I don't read every single sentence <laughs> and yeah. sometimes read the sentences again and again until my brain can make some sense of them
1: yeah, sometimes mine is I'm jumping ahead because I want to see what's like, I'm anxious to see what's next or like you said, I'm just trying to get through it or right. maybe I'm running out of time. But, and then I realized like, I, I really totally didn't get that. So I go back and, and have to reread it. But. Um, yeah, what do, what do you think about reading books that are too easy or too hard? Because that was that part of the skimming the page you're supposed to see. Like if you read a whole page and you don't understand, what is it? More than five words, it's supposed to be too hard for you. But if you right. understand every word, it might be too easy for you. And I think some of
2: that's related to your purpose for reading though, right? Like I sort of feel like, you know, sometimes, sometimes things are too easy and maybe that's okay if we're just reading for enjoyment only. Right. Um, But if we're reading to learn something, which I I feel like I always, just because of the way that I've been, you know, like I don't, a lot of times when I read books, I'm, I'm, it's not for, it's for me to examine the way the writer put the book together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I read more from a writer's perspective, I guess. Um, Which does make it a little bit different, Uh, and I like to like I like to work when I'm reading. Like even though (laughs) even though be challenged, yeah, I like to have to figure things out. I mean, I like to analyze it. And if there's if if that stuff doesn't exist, then I can get kind of bored. But that's that would be different for a kid, you know. I, I don't. I think that a lot of kids, especially kids who don't read very often, wouldn't want that additional challenge you know they would want yeah. my, my my son like when i'm like go read a book he's like all right i'm doing dog man for the 900th time <laughs> or know? diary of a wimpy kid yeah.
1: it's always dog man or diary of a wimpy kid over because they're comfortable with that you know yeah. and they
2: know that it's not going to be challenging but but there's got to be some sort of you know we're not going to get any better at it if we stick yeah. with dog you know but then you run into this is a totally different kind of subject matter but I feel like the last couple of years I've well and given our sort of current climate about books the book banning and all of you know that kind of stuff it can get really difficult and I can feel like I want to recommend books to kids but I get nervous about well you know I'll, I'll even say hey I have this book on my shelf I want your child to read it but I need your permission you know because I'm because I get worried like I And Jason Reynolds, man, he is amazing, and Long Way Down is one of the best books I've ever read, but then I think I couldn't, I couldn't recommend that to every kid. You know what I mean? Like, I'd have to, even though I want every kid to have the experience of what that book is, because it's amazing, you know, but, oh, it's such a tricky, we're we're in a tricky spot, I think. Yeah, I have a lot
1: of books, and same thing, I, I, I've i gotten to where now, I just have, if they're not in our school library, then I just make sure I, you got to sign a permission slip for me, right, if you get a signature for me, and it's got the title and all on there, then I'm, I'm good, but, um, right, yeah, that's a whole other conversation, I did do an episode on banned books, and the book challenges, and stuff, Um, I think it was episode two for the season, but, but yeah, it's a whole other conversation, but I hate, I hate, I don't want to expose kids to things that their families don't want them to be exposed to, but at the same time, I don't want to not recommend things that might actually, you know, engage them and be interesting to them and they could connect with, even if it's not on like, you know, self, like it's not, they haven't experienced it, but they can still connect to it for, you know, other different reasons.
2: Right, and Um, I think that gets hard, because I think the way we categorize books, you know, there's a huge leap between what we consider middle grades and what we consider young adult. And yeah. there's not a lot of area in the, in between those things, you know, even though, so, so you could have a high interest book, you know, for eighth grade or whatever, but it may not be like, oh, that if a kid knew that that's what a book could be, they would read the book. But then yeah. if it does, if it, if it contains elements that are
1: too grown up for them,
2: you know, it's a hard, it's a hard line.
1: Yeah. Like, Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I mean, I, I just wanted to talk about how we choose books and hopefully encourage other people to, you know, pick books, especially of course my kids. And I mean, like I said, there's no right or wrong way. It's really just about finding something that for me, finding a book needs to be about experiencing something. Yes. I want you to learn techniques and uh, writing styles, but for me, I just want you to learn somebody else's experience or, you know, be able to, you know, if it, if it's got an emotional tug in some way or a lesson learned, I'm, I'm in
2: for me. And that's what I, and that's what I think about, like, that's how I felt with Nickel Boys and that's, or, or, you know, you're in a book and you don't want it to end. And then you slow down, you slow it. Like I, that's happened to me a, a bunch of times. Oh, I know? don't do that.
1: I can't I slow down.
2: Oh, but if I don't, I'm like, I don't want this book to be over. I'm going to put the book down and walk away right now. Cause I don't want my book to be over, you know? And I feel like that's how that Nickel Boys was. I think I had a similar reaction to the ending of Long Way Down, you know, where it's just like, oh, oh you caught me off guard. I was so ill-prepared. <laughs> um, but it's hard because that doesn't happen all the time, you know, and I feel like I'm being greedy because I want that, I want to have that kind of reaction every time I read and, but that's but,
1: not necessarily. Like being predictable because right. most books follow typical yeah. lines and cycles, so. Well, unless you have a really great book that you need to recommend to middle grade young adults, especially with a good grabbing first page, since that's your thing. Oh gosh,
2: now I don't even I don't even know. I don't even I mean I, I, I do think Long Way Down is, is awesome, but I don't know that everybody can read that book, you know. Yeah. But but just the just the concepts, just the sort of idea that it's taking place on an elevator, you know. And it's
1: that's one long elevator ride. Let me just say.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, is that the slowest <laughs> elevator in the world? <laughs> but it's. But the idea is
2: cool, you know.
1: Uh, it's be. definitely not the same type of thing. But did you read The Boy in the Black Suit by Jason Reynolds? I I have not read
2: it, but I do have it in my office.
1: I loved it. I was I think it was last Thanksgiving. Um, I went camping and I read it in like two days. I mean, obviously, I didn't have a lot else going on because I was camping, but. I just really, really liked it a lot. Like the dialogue that was in it, the kid's personality. Again, it's not the same type of situation as obviously Long Way Down, not as dramatic, but I just really enjoyed it a lot. I enjoy him, but
2: yeah, I think, and I think he, as a human being, is just amazing. You know, just whatever video I can watch that has him speaking and explaining his process. And I just did an assignment with some of my um, engaged citizen kids the other day about. You know just watch these two films just watch these two films by jason reynolds and and just see what it does to your brain you know and 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 his sort of i don't know i guess artistic
1: creative expression or whatever right. you know he has a podcast he does with his mom or about his relationship with his mom i,
2: I think i did know that but i haven't listened yet i think i yeah. know
1: him. It's, it's i think it's only like four episodes so it's not real long it's definitely not about his writing process and all but right. one, i just love his voice Yes, I just love, love, and I think we get that in the text, you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. love,
2: you read his books, you get that same kind of voice, which is
1: pretty awesome. Yeah, so, okay, so we're recommending Jason Reynolds. There you go, there's our no recommendation. Anything by Jason Reynolds, because he has some middle grade, from oh, young Yeah, I was going to say, he's got, like, Look Both Ways and Ghosts, like, all the track series and stuff, yeah. which is very safe and very approachable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I like Nick Stone, too. But again, she's got some middle grade and young adult as well. And I've liked I've liked hers a lot. Yeah, I so. agree. I agree. Okay. Well, I thanks for taking the time out and doing this with me. Yeah, this was fun. It's Good. To All right. I'm going to shut this off right now. So hold on.
0: OK, hopefully you found some helpful information and you are ready to go out and find a book that you are going to love to read and then share with someone else same as this episode and this podcast that you're going to share with someone else Um, tell all your friends and neighbors and family members and whoever you come across at the grocery store the bookstore wherever I thank you so much for tuning in and follow us on Instagram hopefully at booklife32776 and as always thank you so much for turning the page with us.